0: Sam. Yeah. So, All right. yeah, on, I'll kick runner. that off. So Sam Clayton is a runner, local boy, um, Colchester Essex, who, uh, he ran, he run for two clubs, um, which is, um, Cats, Colchester and a- Athletics and Tendrin. And then obviously progress when you do long distance running is Harriers. um, Started out doing football, uh, good footballer, but had a natural talent for running. Um, and I met Sam many, many years ago um, when my children were quite young, uh, doing running at the club, um, helping out with coaching and just watching Sam progress. So, yeah.
1: yeah what surprised me about Sam, though, is uh, obviously when I first met him, I didn't know him as long as you did. Um and he came in, obviously he presented to me as a long distance runner, but I noticed also the guy's got style. You know what I mean? very, very stylish,
0: very, very stylish. Guy. As well. yeah, yeah,
1: very cool guy, very cool guy in a very alternative way. Um yeah. but yeah, I find him quite interesting because he's just
0: that? I don't think I've seen him in a bad mood.
2: Never in a bad
0: mood, very positive, even in even when he's injured, uh Always positive, see the other side and that's what I think makes a good and dedicated athlete because they know that there's light at the end of the tunnel and they're prepared to do the work, which Sam is, so.
1: 100%. Right, well, let's listen to his story.
0: Yeah, enjoy guys.
1: We're joined today with our guest, Sam, who is a long-distance runner and he's going to tell us today about how he got into running, um, his accomplishments and uh, his training. So enjoy. Jingle, jingle, jingle. <laughs> so, Sam. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, Sam, how did you get started into uh, running in the first place? So,
3: way? running was something that I kind of picked up when I was about 13 or 14. I was always a footballer before then. Um, and then, just as I kind of got older into football, uh, kind of I'm quite a small guy. Kind of physically, I kind of started getting pushed off the ball and stuff. But I always found I had a, quite a natural talent for running. I'd done a few like school races and like won them in my year group and stuff. And then I went to this uh, district race. And, yeah, I came, I think I came second or third. I can't ever actually remember my position. I potentially was third. And there was a coach there called Bob Kimber, who uh, coached in Tendring, and he noticed me, took me under uh, his wing. And, uh, yeah, I literally left football like the next day. I was like, right, I'm done football. I'm going straight to running. And, yeah, since then, I kind of fell in love with the sport and have uh, been running ever since
1: nice nice um so what so you, that's kind of how you sort of fell in love with it so then what actually happened as you started to go along your journey Do you know what i mean like as you started training um did you start competing straight away yes,
3: I, you... because of that district race where i came third I actually uh it took me straight into like an uh, essex schools qualifier so then you then eventually if you then come in the top eight of that race you then qualify to run for essex um I obviously didn't get it that year because I'm so new to the sport, but I just started training every Monday and Wednesday with my coaching group. Uh, I was thrown into like a really good group where there was uh, there were boys that were a bit older than me, but they were like, they all ran for Essex. They were like the top athletes around Essex. It's kind of being 13 and thrown yeah. into that group with 15, 16 year olds that are like dominating it. It was great. Um, so, yeah, that kind of became my goal to be like them, be as good as them. So, uh, yeah. yeah.
1: What did, controlling, what did the training consist of? So the
3: training, it was literally just Monday nights and Wednesday nights. I was at the track just doing various reps. So maybe on Monday nights, it might have been like three by a mile. And on the Wednesday night, it would have been like maybe 15 by 200 meters really fast. So they kind of did vary. But uh, And then maybe also at that time, before I kind of had a job, there was also a Saturday session as well, where I'd be like on the hills doing cross-country work and stuff like that. Um, around like hills. It so like your conditioning work. Sorry. Otherwise so it's like conditioning yeah yeah work, yeah basically yeah but like a lot of hill yeah kind of hill running getting used to it because the cross country races were obviously very hilly by their very nature so yeah um, yeah that's kind of what my training consisted of at that age and yeah so then when I got up to about I think 15 or 16 I actually managed to finally qualify for Essex instead start competing like nationally around the country and stuff for Essex which was amazing and kind of everything I wanted
2: um, but even then when I was like
3: at those races um I, st- like, I would get there and I'd be, you'd go up with the Essex team and it was always amazing and uh, I was sitting with the team and everyone should just train and stuff and it's it really strange because yeah. when I was there and it was like we were all talking discussing what we've done like, and I'm like I'm training two, three times a week. These guys are training like four, five times a week but I'm on their level competing with them yeah. so it's really kind of like, I need to yeah. up my training but that didn't really click for me until I was about 19, 20 where I was like you know, I, I understand yeah. this sport now and that's when my training kind of went to, to its best
1: level, I'd say. Would you say you was naturally talented then for the sport or would you say that you saw your football universally help? Like, how much would you doing in the way of football beforehand? Well, football was
3: literally just... That's the thing with, with the difference in football and running. Football, you kind of you go have a kickabout in your training on a Wednesday night and then you play on the Sunday. There wasn't really much to it. So... But I was always, even when I played football there, I had like nicknames. Like I was called the Duracell Bunny because I would just constantly run. I played on the wing and I was just up and down, up and down. So I guess football probably did have a massive part of it. Um, and also, like, you can't, you're kind of fearless, aren't you, when you're 13, 14? So, like, when you're going into races, you're like, right, I'm just going. So I just ran. Like, it was, there was no like skill, technically, it was just what can my body give me on this day on how I race. Yeah. It's strange, injuries are different
1: back then than they are now. You know, as you start turning into an adult, I've thought about it a lot. Like the stuff I used to be able to do as a kid, yeah, just nothing anymore. Like, you know, so, um, yeah, I think as you get older, you definitely have to start um, taking care of your training a little bit more. It's also an
3: understanding with running, getting that game, that understanding of the sport as well. And like, it's very much talent will only take you so far in the sport. Like, if if you're not working hard, it's you're not going to get anywhere. So, kind of when you that older cool. age that's
0: when you kind of really have to start putting it in uh, yeah. just sort of intervening well, there Sam yeah I've got a couple yeah. of questions just sort of like in terms of like what would be like not one just like, say about two or three things you wish you know that you knew that you know now that you wish you knew at the beginning of your career sort of like that's when you are running it. that you would what would you say to your younger self
3: my younger self would definitely would have said put the hard work put the extra days in put the hmm take your two days a week slash three days a week and make it four or five days it doesn't have to be anything i'm not saying put in four or five big huge sessions because i would just burn out it was yeah. just get those easy miles in get your mileage up to only like 20 25 miles a week because when you're that yeah. age, you don't need the bigger mileage that i'd be on say now and just yeah just dedicate yourself to it a little bit more as much like as absolutely loved sport i think it- to some extent, I'm not in an arrogant way, it almost came too easy to me because I was making these final, these um, national events. It was almost mm-hmm. like, well, why do I need to put the extra in? But really, if I did, I'd go from being fourth or fifth in Essex to being one or two, potentially, if I, if I got my training right. So that's one thing. And the other thing would be, which i touched on with you guys before, is the, the strength and conditioning and actually understanding your body. Yeah. Uh, I I just wasn't taught it at my club. I don't know why. It's a bit of an older uh, coaching group. The the coaches Mm. are older, a bit more old school, and uh, I was never really properly taught about my body and how it changes in the strength conditioning, how that will affect my running. It was more Mm. run, and that's it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think like sort of like touching on that as well, like um, the various injuries and um, actually how the strength conditioning could help and aid and make you a better, more runner, uh, biomechanically, um, the way you move and things like that. It's basically prehab. I call it kind of like the strength condition is prehab training um, so to avoid the injuries and also um, maintain your body in a functional condition to run more efficiently. So, yeah, if you knew that then, I mean, we all, I've done it myself in hindsight. Yeah, you definitely. But I suppose, like you said before, that kind of – wasn't around to sports science 10 years ago, especially in England in terms of all sports, probably about like 10 20 years ago, wasn't um, compared to Europe quite widespread. So, yeah, that's probably another reason for that as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you'd agree on that, Brad, in terms of like in terms of sports science in the masses,
1: yeah, 100, percent yeah, it's um. It's just not as well um, known as it is now. You know, I think people really do, um, and this does go for all sports, people really do start to realise that, um, you know, education of your body is just as important as education of the sport. Yeah. You know, uh, I think you really have to sort of know your body and, um, you know, there's... There's loads, of, there's loads of stuff um, available now that there wasn't back then. I think if you include sports science and sports therapy in that, um, you know, these are huge advantages um, to sports people now. I mean, straight away, like uh, obviously, I think you two knew each other from the track, didn't yeah, right. you? But um, I mean, you have now treated sound yeah. injury as well. So, I mean, um, through that, a lot of education yeah. has come, uh, wouldn't you agree?
3: I'd agree. Yeah. Massively.
1: Is that for me or is that for Ray? Uh, I'll probably throw it out to both of you, but yeah, to Ray, actually, I'll probably say, um, you know. Yeah,
0: definitely.
1: Uh, but, you've
0: done. Yeah, most definitely trying to educate Sam about, I know he's a fantastic runner, but educating him on the terms of, you know, without obviously talking too scientifically, I think that just puts people off and they don't retain that information, um, just about how the knee works, how much, you know. I just sort of, like. I think with a lot of athletes, letting them know, educating them to the point of, you know, that old school mentality of, yeah, if it hurts, you ain't put enough work in. And, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter if you're injured, yeah. run, run yeah. it off. Or the old, my favourite analogy, Grant playing football is the magic wet sponge,
2: yeah.
0: uh, which which everyone's had. A uh, bit of water and a sponge, you'll be yeah. fine, mate. Doesn't matter.
1: Never understood that I've done A and E first age like, um, for the first football team going down, treating people's eating free spray everyone just shouting magic sponge, i there going. What?
2: Yeah, that's that's the that's the
0: old joke. Um and you know, whether you've got a grade two, grade three injury, um apparently water water and a sponge <laughs> will heal it instantaneously for you yeah. to continue uh, playing playing yeah. for forty five minutes or running another half a mile uh, but that's just ignorance yeah. of lack of education but I think like you said
2: yeah but Sam tell me about your
1: injury though mate like what the injury that Ray treated like what actually happened at that point when did you get it and what point did you decide to come to body company yeah so work? um,
3: it was so it's been over a year now so it was kind of last like Christmassy time uh, I remember being really icy out on the roads and I'd done a session on the track or I started a session on the track and I just kind of slipped a little bit and I didn't really feel anything at the time, but it was kind of like, oh, what was that, like in my knee a little, in my right knee. But I kind of ignored it, and then I decided mm. to finish the session, but go out on the roads and just do like three or four miles really easy because it was so icy, and I didn't quite have my, I didn't have my uh, track spikes with me, so I didn't want to slip anymore. So I got the session done absolutely fine, mm. felt fine. I woke up the next morning, and there was a real like, st- uh, like a stiffness in the knee, which after two or three days actually subsided. There was no stiffness. There was just like a little bit of pain. So I thought, I'm just going to have a week off, and then like, Two or three weeks later, it still kind of wasn't right. I could walk fine. Like I was walking naturally. It wasn't, and it wasn't stiff or anything, but there was still a pain there. And I reckon about, yeah, four or five weeks later, that was when I went, okay, I'm still not better now. I've been doing all this good training. That's kind of lost now. I'm not getting back unless I go and see someone. Like it's not just going to rest up and be gone. Kind of, there was no magic sponge for me, I'm afraid. So um, (laughs) Ray became my magic sponge. And I, yeah, Yeah. knowing Ray, I saw him and I was like, I've got to go see him now. And yes since then kind of teaching me what
1: was wrong with it. And we've gone from there, haven't we? Yeah. So uh, Ray, tell us about the the initial, um, when Sam initially came in, uh, probably through to maybe early stage rehab. And then we'll talk about that. For yeah,
0: I think um, early stage rehab, obviously um, sort of just filling. I think the first thing is mentally, which a lot of um, people in the industry, not saying all of them, but they kind of, probably in R where it's manual therapy, don't sort of think about is like when you deal with athletes, you've got to reassure them because it's also a mental process of trying to get back to um, recovery. Yeah. So you kind of...
1: Yeah, it can be a real for people like, who train a lot. Yeah, the and there's
0: a depression, a little bit of depression seeps in because you, you think you're going to lose your place. you think you're not going to um, get back that PB time or you're going to lose strength or something like that. So you've got to reassure them. Obviously, don't promise them the world, but you know, just say, yeah, if we try these different avenues and we'll you know, try different ways of investigating what can be done or we'll work around it and be patient, I'm just tell them that we'll, we'll, we're going to work hard and we'll do the best we can. Um, so that kind of first assessment of um, Sam's leg, his knee was just basically... Notice in there was obviously doing a stalk test, which comprises of basically standing on one leg, and you can see if there's any instabilities in the knee, whether it's going from laterally or left to right medial, laterally, um, and also balance of the, which is really good to test the hip flexor and the glutes as well, and stabiliser muscles, so as you can really tell someone's got weakness there as well so that was like one of my first assessments and I noticed there was significant muscle atrophy on her on his that um, on his quad which was associated with that knee as well Um and I noticed there was slight swelling not massive slight swelling and it was quite tender for Sam when I was t- um, examining him as well so that was that gave me a good good indication it was Um, obviously because he was still doing some form of little bit of exercise at the time that that it was possibly runner's knee or jumper's knee but it was obviously runner's knee Um, so that's sort of like Mm. uh, strain of the tendon, patella femoral sort of like the patella air region so so with some manual therapy I showed him and sort of going, talking to him basically about how he feels about conditioning and Whether he's done conditioning training before, and to that to a level where this will help prevent and also recover from his current injury to getting him to where he needs to be. So yeah, it was a it's been a long process, but I think it's very good and very good for myself as well. Educating, going to start with someone with an injury uh, that's actually decapitated them in that sort of sense, and then getting them back on the road. So that's quite satisfying. <laughs> uh, uh, sort right of there. getting them back on the road so that's quite a nice feeling to sort of get someone it's a nice journey to be a part of as well so
1: mm. okay um, so then I think right, I remember mm. speaking to you about this uh, about Danton three. Um, as you started to get into the later stage stuff because I think um, Sam at one point your knee got worse didn't it yeah. not badly but you had like almost it just felt like every setback.
3: every step uh, forward was met with two steps back for a long time like hmm. I feel like an injury that maybe uh, yeah probably I don't know Ray or you'll be able to say it doesn't normally take a year to recover from so it's kind of like everything I was doing was really good and then a week later I'd suffer a new bit of stiffness in it or a new a pain slightly, like, around it and stuff. So, it was pretty, yeah, like I say, very one step forward, two steps back for a long time.
1: Yeah. I mean, in that sense, like what happened um, with your running? Because I do remember sometimes you wasn't really following Ray's advice. There was times,
3: yeah. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> over like, the yeah. first lockdown, it felt like it got better. And Ray was like, well, we'll just kind of test it. Probably didn't mean test it to the extent that I tested it. But i like... And I was, I was just meant again going back to mentally. I convinced myself I wasn't feeling that pain on a couple of the runs. I was like, no, nah, it's fine. Like it's just, it's like phantom pain. I just remember that there's pain there, so I'm thinking there actually is, but there isn't. Um, so yeah, so that kind of lying to myself is what I was doing a lot of the time. Yeah,
1: and that's that's back Not to nothing, the psychology yeah. though, isn't it? Like I think the nail on the head there with the um, mental side of it is you really do have to be realistic with people, um, but definitely reassure them, you know, um, you can't set these amazing goals. Because even when Ray was being realistic about your uh, runs, you still have that, I want to go a bit further. So if you can someone that they are going to, you know, heal instantly after a few treatments, then they're going to go out and just completely mess themselves up, you know. So, um, yeah. Yeah. but then after that race, then um, we had a bit of a revision. You end up making a running. Yeah, break. yeah. Sort was- of
0: um, at uni, University of Suffolk, which I attended. Um, probably like yourself, that most people that do sports science, sports therapy, you always do a, um, a lot of assignments based on shod running. To so the people out there that's um, mm-hmm. trainers and barefoot, so you always do a lot of um, bio, biomechanical gait running analysis and things like that. And also, a lot of, and mm. I think where the, I was quite lucky to have the sports therapy and re, injury rehab side and experience sort of to deal with, um, there's a lot of load um, issues that runners have, especially pavement runners. Um, and I don't think a lot mm. of people realize the important factor of the conditioning size, which definitely can prevent or at least delay that, that the, the various injuries, especially ankle and knees, which knees is one of the main ones from um, research has shown in the knee. Sam, how long
2: have you
1: Sorry, been what's you that? running for? How long have you been running on the road? So my running, for, so
3: I kind of, I'd say my whole life, pretty much. Like from 13 yeah. to 21, as much as I was doing cross-country, I'd run on the track, I also loved road racing, like the road mm-hmm. racing thing. So a lot of my runs when I was training would just be out on the road getting the miles in I then had a five year gap where I stopped running for a while for various other reasons But then I yeah rediscovered my love for the sport and then so yeah then it was like I reckon six to seven months before that injury happened of being back running running really well but getting like 40 to 50 miles of which 65 70% of that was on a road like weekly so and
0: that's and that's (laughs) And that's a lot of um, what they call in this game, sort of like the. Inc- that's like a really high increase of like ground reaction force. Um, for people out there, it's kind of the, the increased joint loading that's going through there. Yeah, you can have all the greatest footwear in the world, um, but even elite athletes don't train or run on the road. That, that longevity, that period of time because of that reason. So that is, that is a like, uh, puts a lot of, um, stress, you know, can manifest into stress factors or yeah. the mass exertion, joint load, um, knees, um, mm. glutes, trunk, like your lower back and knees. And those are quite common in, um, road runners as well.
1: When I run long distance, um, I get a real tightness in my lower back. Um,
0: um but that you know, and like just going back to it, obviously Sam's obviously a higher level runner than us technically, so probably highly unlikely. Um obviously he's injured and recovering, but uh we'd be injured a lot more frequently road running. I'm not built for road running and my technical uh, being a more sprint based is that's that running style is completely different. Um than actually road running.
1: Yeah, it's different. Uh, tips, like, yeah, well, it's, it?
0: it's uh, sprint running is higher knees, driving more with the arms up from like from your hip up to um, mid chest, well, just past your chest, actually, not mid chest. Explosive um, is where road running should know it shouldn't be 90, should be about 45 degrees. Um, Good stride, in no bouncing as they call it for people out there. Bouncing is called. It's basically when you oscillate and your your strides are repeatedly um heavy. It's heavy and loud. So you know you see always. It's quite funny when you when you're at a park and you always hear. You see, no offense, guys, out there. When you see like someone that's quite tall and you hear that slapping sound that like that and the slamming of the mm. feet they sound like it's supposed to be like they they're running like Donald Duck so their feet's quite flat and they call that like excessive um vertical loading so that's like oscillating so that load it's high risk as well it. puts a lot of um tibial stress load as well so you've got that as well so yeah yeah, those,
1: I'm all right in saying that sprinters in general tend to land more on a four foot, hence, and your, your, your yeah. ridge runner. Yeah, uh, four foot
0: is why the sprinters we they mainly get um, Achilles tendon and hamstring injuries. Um, so that's that loading, yeah, and obviously with um, uh, long distance road runners, it's mainly knees, um, hip, hip mm. is
1: another issue. You can get calcane or stress yeah. fractures as well, um, if general, that is which is the hill again from people who are heavy, heavy mm. hill strikers, especially if you haven't got good cushioning and you're running on the road. That's a, again a lot mm. of impact. Um, and that's I think that's the other thing as well is with uh people that do this sort of hill strike type running, um. Again, it's a lot of energy leakage if you're landing very heavy on
2: hills. Yes. Um, the yes. heel hill strike leaks
3: will be out if, if I see anyone heel striking.
0: <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, running economy inefficiency, isn't it? So it's inefficient energy and can lead to loads of um, you know overstride. In is energy inefficient, and like you said, with the heel striking as well. Yeah, and also you're just asking yeah. for an injury, but. Yeah.
1: So, Sam, how would someone prevent heel striking if there's runners out there? A lot of it's just you your, essentially it.
3: your drills. So, before or after a session, getting as simple as things like your knees up, uh, like bouncing on your toes and stuff, bounding, and just kind of getting that form right. Yeah. And re- almost also doing like really yeah. slow movements of like, as if like running form, but moving forward, yeah. really kind of getting everything in line and just ensuring that you are kind of a bit more up on your toes, a bit more on your forefoot, midfoot, landing, other than heel striking.
1: Yeah, and that will eventually become more natural, more of a habit. Because so I think definitely would be uncomfortable for someone who's done a lot of long distance running. It's almost unlearning a habit, unlearning how to run yeah, yeah. to learn in that way. So you wouldn't just go out for your your normal run you'd normally do and just change. No, your, your I think your,
3: something your that track. actually Ray noticed about me was my um, my foot was it was slightly out, wasn't it? It was slightly inverted or.
0: Yeah, you had a. You've got. Um, I noticed your. Uh, I think it was. It actually wasn't on your bad leg. It was actually on your right. I think you've external rotation of the ankle, yeah. um, which was a bit. Um, I was thought it was quite prominent. I thought okay, so that kind of tells me then there's further up the leg there's a possible stabilizer issue, which there there was. So it's obviously you've not done much work. Well, any work there specifically for your abductions and adductor muscles in the glutes around that area, which is so important for um, runners in general, not just sprinters or long distance. It's just people don't realise. They just think, oh, yeah, my legs are powerful. I can run. And they have no idea that...
1: that A lot of people say, I do leg day (laughs)
0: because I cycle or I run. It's it's not the case. It's that movement the lateral movement and uh sort of like a lot of plank plank raises and things like that so or like lateral side on plank so that hip adduction and abduction is really important and but not just important for just having it as an isometric movement but having it as a uh like a biomechanical movement so you try and put something in there with resistance as well getting it strong, that 90 degrees flexion, 45 as well, using bands as well, really important, running around the uh, hip and around the glutes as well, you know, without those...
1: Yeah, I think glutes definitely a big one as well. You know, it's like a powerful hip extensor, you know, the the muscle that basically drives that leg through. is so crucial to have that strong, and, you know, it is almost like a giant... uh, Shot, of the yes. as well, you know, like when you're landing, if you're wrong, oh. you know, it's going to be out,
0: you know, major trouble if that's low. weak. And a lot of people kind yeah. of yeah. I feel that, Sam, I don't know if you agree. I think, like, because of the way some runners look quite slim and they have to be light because they need to be to obviously get. Shave weight, and they weight. need to. Yeah. You need to be light to be because I don't think people realize. Even though people were, you know, for example, covering ten k, they're not running at a speed that me and Brad be running. They're actually flying, and I don't think oh, yeah. people realize. So that you can't be heavy and flying like that over that amount of distance because yeah,
3: absolutely not. It's just going to like like you'll know if you if you are trying to run that fast even just over a mile, so you're trying to put in like a, even like a sub six minute mile, the pain for your joints, your knees, your angle, the weight, your extra weight you're putting through, that's just, yeah. that's, you're asking for trouble, aren't you?
0: Yeah, I mean,
3: hmm. a mile, by any chance?
0: do
1: you know how many steps are in a mile, by any chance, I know it's going to be different per person, yeah, but I, know. You, I don't know, my you know, steps, right. I know
3: like my cadence is like 180, that's pretty um, good, I don't know what that's... that is per mile,
1: So People about cadences,
3: Sam, or Ray, knows. <laughs> okay. I have a very. Sam, do you, you want to go first
1: or me? Yeah,
0: you
3: go, Sam. You take away with
0: the science stuff. Yeah, so just your cadence, anyone out there, it's sort of like how many times your foot is ground reaction force, how many times it hits the floor. So basically, they always say like the top runners, whether it's sprinting or whether it's long distance or like if you're doing hill sprint training – Quicker, like Sam mentioned before, the kind of uh bouncing on the spot, so your foot has to spend as less time hitting the floor before it flexes up into a 90 or 45 degree angle. So that's your cadence sort of time. Um, which can also be
1: so, uh, what's it measured in? So you said 100 yeah. 105. So, I actually said.
3: read something recently in a can't remember where I read it. It might have been online. It might have been actually in Runners World magazine. This guy was talking about ah, uh, what was it called? Like, is it like your fascia tissues? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, and he says yes. like running at one eighty okay. cadence and like having this performance, it it uses more of that elasticity in your fascia that you then expend less energy. So one eighty is actually like, oh, I think he must have said one eighty eight. Maybe is like where you exactly want to be. Okay. I'll have to find an article and send it to you guys because it's really interesting. I read it about you and like the running form and having your kind of chest almost almost like pigeon like, like poking that's out that's right yeah you're up right forward and then you're really using all your fascia tissues in your body to really get that elasticity and kind of keep that form yeah I yeah. think that's
0: where a lot of people that run and yeah, they're not really efficient runners uh, a lot of people Brad and I have trained and a lot and it's probably more common now because uh, a lot of more the nation is running even yeah. even more so obviously during COVID but Post-COVID, a lot of people see running as the way out to lose weight. But because they've got a higher mass and their running style is off, which you don't, um, you know, sort of dissuade people from running because they feel good for it. It's mental release. It's free spirit. It's giving them a good feeling. Um, serotonin and stuff like that and endorphins. Just just about Running more efficiently because then there's right. going to be the negative side in the long run because they haven't properly trained, then they're going to have something that gives them that release to be taken away from them. So, yeah, with that kind of fascia tissue, yeah. I mean, plantar fasciitis is huge. You, you don't hear of anyone now that hasn't got it or had it or they're muddling through with it, and it's, it's still massive out there. It's one of the biggest hindrances. Um, out there at the moment really yeah and that's and that's also footwear as well on top so
1: just quick before we get to uh carry away can we just sum up quickly for people what cadence actually is like in the most layman's terms now what
2: right
0: okay so if i can kind of i can't explain this so it's just basically If I can try to put it in a sort of like context, like music, maybe. So sort of like it's the time, the beat and the measurement and how it reflects how your whole body moves. So you're basically moving in a harmonic sequence. It's modulated and it's rhythmic. So it's basically perfect balance.
1: Okay, and what do you use? Um
0: measure? I mean sometimes they use I mean for the labs science wise they use obviously a three D camera. Um, in the labs, obviously not everyone's got one of those, and they kind of measure how many times, like I said before, how many times they their floor their is their uh flexion of the knee at a perfect ninety or forty five what's well, normally about forty-five degree angle. Because if it's too high and you're running that amount of distance, that can also cause um, hip impingement injuries or sort of like give any sort of like slight strains because you're over striding. So, um, but I think now there's a lot of um, watches out there now. I know Sam's probably got one It actually records your cadence because I know they do it for people on stationary bikes. So they do it for people that's on bikes so they know how much um, times they're actually... Moving the pedal round per minute or per thirty seconds, yeah. so they know that they're going at a good speed and they're sort of keeping up a good tempo so ca- cadence for runners of like Sam's his cadence know right I can hold hundred and eighty strides per minute, and I know that's good I know that's mm. I'm hitting a good level, and I know that that's perfect
1: the need to I'd say no, no average, definitely. Uh, definitely not. Yeah. No, nope. They're more interested in uh their sort of miles, per yeah, course, or miles per minute. That's not right. But you know, their yeah. Yeah, average, average pace. pace. So like, yeah, kind of, even mm-hmm. I,
3: that's yeah. the strongest thing I use is my average pace. Like yeah. if I'm going on a run. I just want to know what what am I hitting each mile, and what does that represent for the whole distance, like on average? Yeah. That's
1: all I remember, largely. Yeah. And does that ever sort of encourage or discourage you if you start off and you see that you've got like a, you're at a really
2: good,
1: uh, then sit there and go? Because right.
3: I'm a bit more organised with kind of what session I'm doing, it doesn't put me off because I know I, I can hit that. It's very rare I'll go oh, I want to go and do a set mile and not hit that. Do you know what I mean? Because so I've been doing it for so long I know. Oh, if it's an easy run I'll go seven fifteen seven thirty per mile. If I'm going to do a tempo okay I need to hit. Five thirty between like I'd say like five thirty to five forty five. Jesus.
0: And I'll Christ. be around. Know, you know, um, <laughs> that is quick. My I, I'll i have to put in there now, Sam, I'll just throw in there my fastest minute, minute, my uh, minute and a half my Ryan Abbey Fields with um Bob but was uh seven seven sixteen. Still good going? It's not bad for an old boy, is it? Mm. Um I was almost sick, but it was good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. It's <laughs> yeah. a good
3: little loop down there.
0: Yeah, very I quick. I didn't like when he said you got to go again after that though. That was the, the thing that done yeah, you. yeah, that that was tough.
1: So how did you two find Bob Kimber then? Like what? Uh, uh, as
3: a coach for me, obviously is? he took me under a wing at at let Let's put it so when I was thirteen, he was he had all the best Essex athletes. Like he had one age group where I think there was four of the boys. Out of the Essex, there's six in... There were eight in the Essex team and he had four or five of them were just in his group alone. And that's a whole of Essex. That's how good he was mm-hmm. for that age group at that time. But because he's so old school, he kind of <clears> didn't <throat> grow with the times. So I got to a point where, so my 5K oh. came down dramatically and it, I think it actually ended the year like 21st in the country at my age group, over 5,000 metres. But Bob, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So
1: was that a smaller time or did everyone
3: also, faster? Also, what do you want to say?
1: Uh, on that one where you dropped down in the ranks, was that? I was finished, your it, time finished that year as the 21st else?
3: fastest in the country. But my point is that Bob Kimber then didn't yeah. uh, know how to kind of, okay, you've got this far. What's the next step? It was kind of just like let's just keep doing what we're doing. When really
2: hmm. he
3: needed to maybe admit that I needed to move on, or he needed to grow. And it got to the point. So then that was at like 16. It wasn't until I was 18, 19, I was like, I'm. Go- I started to like get frustrated with the sport because I wasn't improving. And then there was another group at the club, which I then moved on to a different coach, and then that saw me improve again and get better and better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ray.
0: my sort of like take on I have my children, um, a lot older, Sam, so my kids sort of run under Kimber as well. Um, and I think similar thing happened to them where he's old school, so it's not. I think at sometimes the older ones, obviously, like I said before, sports science. Is still an enigma for um, even now it's still an enigma um, yeah. where they don't know how to, but sounds pretty right if they probably, you know, don't have to go and do a degree, but just some knowledge, probably um, just educate themselves in that. Yeah. Weapon, yeah. Right? Just, you know, they do, they have to have an official coaching accreditation. So, um, yeah. down to the
1: coaching qualification. Well, we
0: won't want to name who that runs that organisation. Um, don't want to get ourselves into any trouble, but they need to They need to. They need to look at their uh, curriculum and um, probably have like um, sort of intermediate kind of booster courses to keep up with the times with some of the coaches that might be quite old school. But yeah, yeah he was good he was good to me. He's, he's got an eye for talent. Him, that's what he has. He can spot and you yeah. can't teach that. But, yeah, like Sam said, to go to the next level. And that's why uh, himself and myself probably did not agree on a lot of things. So I stopped running and helping out with him. And then I went on to help with um, another coach at the club. so um,
1: Let's talk about uh, both. You say like you didn't grow with the times. In what way are we talking the rehab stuff that Body Compass introduced? I can't do further back than that.
3: It's just, uh, it's just a he's very much a simply go out and run kind of man. He, yeah, it got to the point where I don't think he even planned the sessions either. Like they, it was just kind of you get to the track, you do your warm up, and like what are we, what are we, what are we doing, Bob? And it kind of be like, oh, let me, think give you ten minutes and let, me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me give you a session and. When You're 16 17 trying to uh, yeah. understand the sport better and get to the next level. To, you kind of need some more guidance than just five minutes before deciding what you're doing.
1: You're talking more like periodization, then as well. Like Ray, would we say like this is more like a period trying to periodize the training as opposed to just saying go do this?
0: Is that what you mean in terms of what Bob sort of did or?
1: I was in like in, in with uh, future, uh, future, I say future as in current, uh, more up to date uh, coaches. Are they um, planning? Yeah, to yeah them 100%. Now,
0: they're definitely know? more doing that. Even some of the, I, I couldn't say it's all the old school ones. I won't want to name one of them that I've gone very well with. Um, so I don't sort of disrespect Bob um, in that way. But he, even though he was sort of like Bob's age, he's actually. Still a little bit old school, but he took on my um, advice. Obviously, I was doing my degree at the time, and then I've just told him about stuff I've done prior to my degree. And I said I want to get back to running, and then sort of gave advice about you know you need to do certain conditioning that is running sport specific, um, and you've got you know kind of taper of the runs and periodize them, and you can't just you know. Right, they start sprinting full max, that's your warm up, and then crack on. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're just asking for trouble. So I just, you know, introduced them to various things that could be done. Um, and yeah, a lot of the up and coming coaches were, you know, they're still learning, but yeah, they were not like Bob. Well, um, there's a lot more periodization and talking about nut- nutrition is still a. Um, is basically the monster under the bed in terms of uh, probably running uh, some of the clubs. They kind of don't. They feel it's just your talent, and that's it. And they don't feel. It. And they don't feel that has any relevance to it at all, um, which is huge as well as well as the conditioning, but. Um, Sam could probably verify on this because I know we've both been at that club for years. Um, Both clubs.
1: Yeah.
3: What's your diet, Sam? What was that, sorry? My diet? What's Uh, your diet like? It's very simple, I'd say. I eat well. I eat relatively clean, but it's it's probably not um, the most interesting diet in the world, if you know what I mean. It's very... Mornings will be like... Either porridge toast or a bagel or something along them lines, maybe some cereal um, and yeah. lunch is nine, mm. like, quite often like a sandwich and like just crisps and snacks. And I do eat a lot of fruit. I always eat my fruit and veg and I fruit and veg and drink a lot of water. And then dinner kind of my uh, girlfriend, Emily, she's an amazing cook. She always cooks from scratch and uh, we're both vegetarian as well. So like a lot of tofu, so protein in there and stuff like that. Um yeah, and lots of, like, yeah. veg. And i like, say cooking from scratch is always great because you get everything, kind of, you need and you can adapt around it as well.
1: Yeah. So, but it sounds a like bit quite carbohydrate. Yeah,
3: yeah, dominant, yeah, definitely, yeah.
1: Would you
3: say? Still, sometimes I think not enough. Yes. I'm not the best eater. Like, I'd rather just drink than eat. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't know why that is. It's always kind of been the way I am. I, need to, I definitely need to take on more, especially when I'm, like, when I am running 40 to 50 miles a week when I'm kind of at the peak of my training and more kind of, yeah, I do feel like I need to take on more.
1: Yeah. And Ray, what's the impacts? Um, So from a um, physiological level, if you haven't got enough glucose in the body and from the form of carbohydrates, what's the impact of that when you're doing, for example, huge,
0: just huge in terms of timing uh muscular activity muscular contraction uh glucose depletion so energy levels you haven't got you've got the carbohydrates and if you haven't done the carb loading you know like um in terms of you know there is studies out there where they say that prior to that big race for example for the marathon you should be doing two to three days carb loading but the Um, Australian Mm -hmm. carb loading journals um, that a lot of the top Australian athletes use they suggest that there's only 24 hours recorded for that Um, and it's around um, 4.6 grams per kilogram body weight Um, for example on that 24 hour day basis um, and that's sufficient enough for you for carb loading for for example for a, a marathon so, yeah, it's, it's massive, it's huge. And then you've got, you know, and also as well, when you're sort of going to that further distance you in regards to your fats, so like avocados, for example, um, really good fats. So when your body for walnuts as well, walnut's almonds is... Um, yeah, I eat a lot of nuts. I do
3: eat a lot yeah. of like, mm. almonds and... Um, yeah, yeah. I- mm
0: good source of protein and almonds for example is one of our highest um sources of proteins out of the nut family so but you know but you know like avocados are safe so when your body is running out of that glucose depletion from carbohydrates it then can then um hit into the fat source as well so it can burn into that so it's quite a good yeah um, way of keeping up on top of it for um fuel energy source maintenance as well for running and and i don't think like you said before brad sort of like the even at that level if they want to produce quality athletes that potentially are going to represent england or nationally um you've got to start educating at that age at a young age um you know you've got to try and make it fun because not all kids want to hear that carb loading and you've got to eat your avocados and nuts they want to hear about mcdonald's um and people listening now might even think McDonald's, but there's even ways of having McDonald's and carb loading without yeah. eating the junk. So there's a way of kind of getting around it as well. Yeah. Um, so you need that element. I mean, a lot of sweet yeah. energy. I always say about this. Massive.
2: Massive.
3: Oh, well, that's my weakness. I've got a sweet tooth, man. It's crazy. And like, no, my weakness is uh, fizzy drinks. It's like Dr. Pepper, like oh
2: my god
3: and it's not so bad I've cut down. I managed to like just have the, the zero <laughs> sugar ones but uh, it's still bad because obviously the the replacement still kind of doesn't the body still react as if you are still taking on sugar sometimes is that true I was, um, I don't, that's I true, true
1: or not I uh, uh, I've heard it I've definitely heard it but I've also think I've read somewhere okay. actually by quite that's a few that, people that enough, it. True. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, although I do know that just having carbonated drinks yeah. doesn't yeah. increase your risk of osteoporosis. I mean, you're a young male and yeah. you do run in a lot, so you should be all right. <laughs> as long as you do some weight. Um, I just feel that where
0: yeah. it's obviously carbonated drinks aren't really, you know, a lot of them, you know, you can get your non-sugary ones and you get sugary ones. The, the way, the reason why athletes don't really drink them is because obviously the c o two gas, yeah so it inflates your diaphragm and what you use for running your diaphragm as well as your lungs, so that it knocks off you trying to regulate your breathing, so that's why you get stitched very quick as well, so that's one of the main reasons, so mm. yeah, I wouldn't advise having a can of coke before <laughs>
2: before a run it's probably not the yeah I do it before, I <laughs> before a run before a run off days. off
0: days, I hope.
3: Oh, yeah, I was going to say, like, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so, no, I don't do massively, load, no. Sam? I have um kind of like meals I like to eat before I race, but they're mm. not, they are, they're carb, but they're not carb It's not like a direct, mm. I'm like, okay, I'm carb-loading, so let's take this X amount. It's just, this is what I like to eat before. This gives me the energy, so. So, uh, it's, it's actually this dinner. I touched on the tofu me. dinner that uh, Emily does for me. It's like uh, with like a chilli sauce and it's got garlic, ginger in yep. there, but it's got like, the tofu and the sugar snap peas in there that I kind of just vibe off.
1: <laughs> yeah, like that, like that. Um, I ain't got my head in a physiology book in a while, but um, what's like the benefits of carb loading? Because can't the liver only store 400 grams of glucose and the muscles 100 grams? Yeah. A so five hundred months- grams there.
0: I feel that a lot of people don't sort of like uh, the benefits of the carb loading. So like you said, you are right about that in the liver. So it will store it. So that's why you've got to try and hit your body weight maximum. So for example, C82, so it's 400 grams. So then the liver will store that glucose. I mean, for example, a lot of people don't know tour de France cyclists because the energy expenditure they're going to utilize the next day. And obviously, your body, which everyone forgets, when you're asleep, you're basically fasting. So, yeah. if you hit mm. a certain amount of grams of carbs, like they do the Tour de France athletes, they have a bowl of porridge before bed. So, their body can utilize that um, yeah. those carbs I mean, the up? following day. Yeah, it's story. Story. While you're so, resting. that's a little tip. I once had a here. story
3: about. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is similar. I think it is. Similar. I think he was maybe like an ultra marathoner. He was something, or maybe even was a cyclist. And he'd actually have his meals backwards. So he'd wake up and have like a full roast dinner sort of thing, and then he'd, like, he'd still have his lunch. And then at the evening, he'd have his <laughs> breakfast. Like he literally reversed his <laughs> meals he felt like that was better for him, and like, he could sleep and recover better. And then he had the energy yeah, for the day. Like, I'll have-
1: I find this crazy people who eat big meals in the morning like Phelps oh, yeah, but, yeah, for a yeah, ten thousand calorie way. breakfast. Michael Phelps. Yeah. I mean, I know that's extreme, but still like having that much food yeah. in the morning, I can barely stomach a porridge
0: these days. Like, yeah. you know, I think
1: it's
2: kind of like but, there is
0: no there is a generalized way, but there is no there's always that kind of unique person like Phelps obviously does that and you know, obviously with people, you can't fathom. You use Bolt as an example, which is a freak of nature, because otherwise it'd work for everyone. You can't be eating Kentucky Fried mm. Chicken every it's week.
3: Chicken
0: nuggets, are not it? <laughs> and Nando- or, or, even Nando's isn't that bad, but you can't be eating chicken and ch- fried chicken and chips. He did say this. He
1: had KFC. Um, yeah. He slowed yeah. down that race, and his shoelaces were untied. Do you know what I mean? It's almost well, like yeah. just he even I on to that race, you. just Do you like know what I yeah, mean whatever. That man was scary yeah. quick. Like we will never yeah.
3: see anything <laughs> like him ever again in our lifetimes.
2: Yeah, no.
1: Bolt's an insane yeah. story? I mean, Ray, you must have studied him at uni as well. But just I didn't understand how yeah, someone too tall for his sport know, was not for the so hundred meters. He was too yeah, tall. Sh- did too
2: tall. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah.
1: And yeah, and this is kind of what I love about sport. Yeah. It's like, right? It says it's always an anomaly. And this is why I normally, although we give people a guidebook, if it yeah. works for you, freaking do it. Do you know what I mean? Like, don't do what everyone else is doing if you have a formula that works just for you. You know, and your formula, this is the other thing that I hate about people who do this sort of stuff, and they go, here's my secret. I mean, yeah, you can give it a try, but you can't say to the yeah. whole world of your sport that this is how it's done, you know. It's a way of doing it, definitely um but yeah so uh on oh major sidetracked on your injury there
2: (laughs) um
1: yeah um let's talk about the importance of doing um some strength training and things like that within um program we keep touching upon it but like um as as of uh seeing Ray what do you do now as part of your training yeah so let's start so beforehand beforehand, it was very much uh
3: running five to six days a week um and next to no strength and conditioning like maybe your like core workout like your sit-ups your press-ups your planks and stuff but largely that was it and that was maybe once Mm. twice a week at most um and then since then obviously we kind of got back running again and I've had a minor setback but and with the gyms being closed it's not helped but it's a whole different now it's I'm always doing my uh, conditioning work I'm stretching a lot more um we're doing a lot of plyometric work when we were just kind of first getting back and that was seeing such great benefits on like like you said the muscular atrophy I had kind of building that back up in both my quads um just everything yeah it's just getting that gym work in and eventually I obviously want to start like squatting and lifting a little bit for that kind of like power and stuff and yeah that's kind of the the plan so yeah it's Honestly, it's yeah. so much different. And also, I think at first I kind of felt, oh, because I'm running five, six times a week, I can't get these sessions in. But that's, that's a myth. If I want to continue running five, six times a week, that I need to be getting them in. And there's always ways to do it. Like, with, even with the gym being closed, yeah. I've been, Ray's been sending me stuff and I've been getting outside or even just in my living room, just <laughs> doing that really simple stuff. It's a bit tedious. It's a bit like the same every day, but just doing it is so important. It, it means I'll stay injury-free in the long time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think as well, like you can to a certain degree mix it up. Again, I know we haven't got um the access because of the lockdown, but like I mean, Ray, you've doing loads of stuff with him, and you know, um I think we discussed some ideas oh, yeah. him, such as box drops and you know, you can do stuff in the gym like press squats, um, you know, even um, down to just like uh, a yeah, yeah. as well, um, which is yeah. like
0: uh, just leaping Yeah, it's just the leaping and, and bounding. Um, the way it, it it can work to minor details. How people forget it. it could be even down to the way you leap and land full flat on your feet or landing more on the forefront of your foot. So that can actually determine Achilles tendon mm. or heel calcaneus strength to landing through through your foot, through your heel, and then producing most of the landing force mass going through your calf and up through your posterior chain, through the whole back of your hamstrings and your glutes. So, and generating, and just doing that simple test, for example, for people out there. So you just measure your, your length, how tall you are, and you try and beat that length, that how tall you are, mark it out on the floor. And that, if you can keep producing that power, to generate beyond that distance as well. That's a good way of um, hip, basically, hip and um, glute strength. So you're producing power as well. Mm. And
1: I, I think as well, it definitely ties into what we talked about earlier with the um, not doing the heel strike, mm. you know, getting them four foot and midfoot strikes are more um, efficient. Oh, I mean, you can definitely yeah. work uh, oh, for gotcha. pyrometrics, you know, the stretch shortening cycle with the golden tendon, you know. um, And I think definitely when you're doing more of a plantar flexion or um, toes pointing down kind of uh, foot strike, you're going to be activating that stretch-shortening cycle and right up, like you are saying, the posterior chain, a lot more efficiently than if you just go heel, toe, heel, toe, you know, because there's all that um, impact that's being absorbed from the heel strike and then going on to toe, you know, then you're activating that muscle and through that chain, you know? So um, I always like to use the reference of like two pieces of spaghetti, one that's cooked and one that's not, you know, the bit of spaghetti that's cooked is like rigid and things like that. So yeah. that's like having that good hill strike, uh, that good um, forefoot, strike. whereas like having the wet spaghetti is almost like yeah. you lose that energy. You know, there's no um, Yeah, it's a good analogy, yeah. structure to it almost. You know, if you look at the front mm. so. Right. Okay. We've been going on <laughs> for this for quite a while. So let's yes. get on some juicy stuff. Got some questions here. So, um, Sam is one of our ambassadors. And as a little treat, as being an ambassador, we've got everyone to write in on Instagram some juicy little questions let's go. to ask you. So, let's go. Let's have a look. So Sam, just quick, tell us about you being an ambassador. Um, when did you start being an ambassador? And um, yeah, what, how can people? So uh, um, I obviously having known podcasts? Ray
3: for a, a number of years now, kind of um, kept in touch all this time. And uh, when he started, uh, so when I I've lost my train of thought there. Let's try again. Cut that out. I <laughs> uh, so haven't known Ray for years. Uh, when I, I got injured and we kind of started talking when we were kind of through the whole rehab program and stuff. Um, and obviously Body Compass kind of came about at the same time I got injured, didn't it? So, and uh, yeah, Brad, uh, sorry, Ray just actually introduced me to you, Brad. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he offered the chance to be an ambassador, which I thought was amazing because yeah. I love what you guys are doing and what you guys done for me personally. So kind of... Me obviously on my uh, Insta, my running Instagram. Obviously, I'm very vocal about everything I do in terms of my training. So the chance to kind of shout you guys out, who got me back running again, was perfect, and kind of goes hand in hand with promoting you guys as well and giving you kind of the yeah, customer base that you, you deserve.
0: <laughs> Thank you,
2: appreciate.
1: Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate that. And then if you're uh, gonna so they can book in, they can go onto can the Body comes in? to
3: Instagram and follow the link in your bio. Which I always forget the webs the actual code, um, and if they use mm-hmm. code SAM40, they the <laughs> <Yeah>. Sam forty, they get forty percent off. Yes, it's been a while.
2: They gave them my code then. <laughs> it's been a while.
1: <laughs> yeah, this has been slow. This is slow down, yeah. so I haven't had to use that code for a while. <laughs> That's the one. So Sam forty, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant, forty percent off. Okay,
3: so... Um, uh, first question... You know, I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't think I'm sure. Anyway, maybe like 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, <laughs> in heels. 5'8", 5'9". <laughs> nine, nine. Who... Uh, uh, there's got
1: to be
3: uh, a <laughs> so guy that's... He's now gone off to uni called Freddie and he's literally... Ray knows him as well. So remember when I was... Triffing, so when I was 12 or 13... No, sorry, when yeah, he was 12 that. or 13, he first came on and... uh. I was probably like 17 then. And then mm. I kind of had my, actually, when I was a bit older, maybe I was like 21 when I kind of had my five-year break from the sport. He was still very young, not really known. Come back and he kind of he got me straight back into his group and me and him were kind of battling it out uh, around the track as well, training, so it was really good to train with him. And he's now gone off to uni and just become like an absolutely phenomenal runner, like a dedication. And like he just said to himself, I'm going to go to uni and I'm going to become the best runner I can be. And within three months, his 5K time is is frightening now. He went from being like a 16-minute yeah. runner and now he's run like a 14.43 or something ridiculous. That um, is just... A joke. You know, it's like he's at elite level of racing now. He can end up with like out certain races at a highlight. It's, he's scary. Scary talent. And it's like after three months of being at the top uni. So give him another year and that, that boy's going to fly. What you... Well, oh, I loved it a fur before we so went fine. to uni because I was Good beating it on some reps. Then, yeah. <laughs> I'm
2: not sure I will now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, so, uh, Sam, from yeah,
3: another ambassador, when uh, are you starting uh, your pole yeah. dance? Yeah. I've got my Superman costume coming, so once I've got that, I'll get <laughs> on the part when now. Do the Superman <laughs> Oh, shorts. Uh,
1: shorts or Leggings.
3: Nah, I I do like the leggings um, on the really cold days, days. but there's nothing better than a short short when you're running, when you're banging out the miles. Yeah, I can swim. Uh, Quite a strong (laughs) swimmer. Well, fairly strong swimmer. Enough, I wouldn't drown. (laughs) Nah, the thing about triathlon, triathlon, cycling, I I can't stand cycling. It hits me a whole different way compared to running, I can run 10-12 miles like nothing, but a four mile bike ride and I just, it hits my CV system different. Not the fan. Yeah, I feel that. So I've never, never raced a you marathon. Do a marathon? Think, have you yeah, my marathon. longest run's only about 15 or 16 miles. So I'm still a good 10 miles off it. Um, I do want to do one, but I really want to, I want to do it properly. I want to kind of get there gradually. I need to hit the half marathons first. That's kind of my next kind of racing goal is half marathons. Get a fast one of them in and, uh, Build towards a marathon eventually. Yeah, definitely.
1: Okay, so get a half marathon under your belt, yeah. Okay. So next question coming in. People will need to go on to at Run Liberty <laughs> to check this out. But it's a number of things. It's mainly rough. my
3: girlfriend's whatever she's got in there, I just steal that and stick that in the old hair.
0: I don't have that problem. <laughs> Yeah, someone did ask, Bang would you, know. you rock my oh, you know, race know, hairstyle? Yeah. I wasn't gonna. <laughs> Whoever that <laughs> ambassador is, they're yeah. <laughs> Yes,
3: no, no, that's you a lie. I don't get, get, rid VAR? VAR? get rid of the referees that officiate it and start again from there. Yeah, 100%. The, the AI is fine within reason.
0: <laughs> yeah, so,
3: nah, not. Yeah, do you think so they nicer. should rebrand
1: it as as its bad taste, call it something else, or do you, you want to... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're not going to JR, going, going, going to, check to out. Unicorn Land. Let's check it out.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> How did they lock down the legendary Sam Clayton? That was a question to Oof. me and you, Ray. Well... It was hard. I know, it was tough. Black man. tough. <laughs> yeah, but we've done it. Uh, oh that's a good question if you could run on one shoe and one shoe only for the rest of your life what would you pick
3: yeah am i now, right, my right say that, i
1: do hope they mean one pair of shoes and not
3: oh to... see that's difficult because <laughs> if anyone follows me on instagram Ooh, or right. wants to follow me at run libertine um knows i'm an absolute like shoe addict like running shoe any newest shoe i have to have i research it months in advance so there's so many like great and it's it's always nike as well just so <laughs> but um Season one though one that i'd recommend to anyone that runs <laughs> as well or wants to start running is a nike pegasus um they're just they're a workhorse of a shoe like they're a neutral shoe so you can train in it you can do your casual runs but you can also race in it because it is quite lightweight it also has that durability so it will last you for 300 to 400 miles as well like in your training and you can also i've, I've raced in it a couple of times as well which is which is crazy
1: Yeah, does 400 miles go yeah. quick for a shoe? If you've only got 400 miles in the tank,
3: yeah. yeah. Well, that's what that's the, recommended sure is, the recommended is, but the recommended is like 350 they? to 400 miles. But I've had Pegasus that have gone on for 650, 700 miles before I've replaced them. But that's also that's yeah. linked to injury, can't it? Which I'm sure Ray will say if you if you yeah. wear down a shoe too much and you keep using it, you're just asking again.
0: Yeah. Pegasus. yeah, we'd both sort of say that because yeah, because if it's and um, the treads yeah. going. Then you're going from you're putting more pressure on the heel, for example, because it's you're sort of pivoting backwards. So you're going to get more injuries in the lower back and the glutes probably, um, and especially if it's on one foot, which predominantly is because everyone has this. Well, the elite athletes don't, but you always have this uneven equilibrium running style. Some people have, so you will get tread more worn on one than the other. So you need to address it. Um, and then that's going to cause you hip problems or abduction problems, things like that. So, yeah, it's important to remember.
1: That's definitely an point to mention about shoe wear, though, because one of my lecturers, he was like a shoe whisperer, <laughs> the same way people used to read palms. He'd look at a shoe and just look at how much it's worn down in certain yeah. parts and can just yeah. be like, right, you've got flat feet, your feet turn out. Do you know what <laughs> <Shoes>. I mean? <laughs> like, like some was... sort of whisperer. Of <laughs> yeah. Shoes. Um, yeah, but you can definitely get some good yeah. indicators just as a so even if you don't know what you're looking for, if you see one of your yeah. shoes trying to wear down, then it's something that you might need to address. Um, see, my last question: now, then, uh, running
3: playlist. Now you're talking. It's Thing is, so yeah, I'm a massive like, like that's another one of my <laughs> passions style? is music, but I don't <laughs> ever run to music. The only time I ever listen to music is pre a race, so I have a race song that I always listen to before I run before I race, but. Largely, I don't really listen to music when i run. even on my long runs. I'd rather yeah. just get out there and just hear the world. <laughs> the world is my playlist. <laughs> Do you know what? That's, yeah, yeah. Say, that's I'm, I'm, I'm a massive music it, fan, though. but in terms of music <laughs> playlists, it's not, I, I don't have one, I'm afraid.
2: No, that's not oh, an answer, well,
1: so that answer I was expecting. Uh, <laughs> right well I think that's it to be honest I could carry on with this but it's getting late now um, but Sam I definitely want to get yeah, you definitely. back on again to start talking some running gear um, and also as well um, we should probably address how to get people into running Because mm-hmm. I mean Ray you've had a big history of running as well um, and Sam I think have you ever got a career in coaching do you think
0: Sam. Sam. Hello, Sam. I think he's falling asleep, mate. That's it.
1: He's gone. <laughs> well, I think Sam was like, "Yeah, that's it. Podcast done." <laughs> right. Well, anyway, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, <laughs> Sam's rudely already yeah. tuned out. So, <laughs> yeah. thanks everyone for I listening. Think Ryan and I better do the Until same. Until next
0: time.